Is it possible that the real reason we've never found Bigfoot is because we're looking in all the wrong places? And then Close Encounters of a Canine Kind Week continues as we take a look at another story of what happens when dogs encounter aliens. When three kids are out in the middle of nowhere with their two loyal dogs, they figure they're just going to have a nice time in the outdoors. Little do they know that their dogs are about to encounter an alien life form. And the climax is drenched in blood. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. Hope you guys are staying warm. I have to shut my heater off to record these episodes, and the temperature immediately dropped 15 degrees. It's miserable in here. I could probably put on more clothes, but nah, it's too much work. Someone who always loves putting clothes on me, though, someone who always loves dressing me every single day, is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone, give it up. For snail eyes. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in, snail. Snaily. He's not an actual snail. His name's Snail Eyes, which is it's far more disgusting. Snail Eyes, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help support a Dead Rabbit Radio by getting the word out. That's another way you can help the show grow. Snail Eyes, I actually met Snail Eyes in person. They came out to meet me at the UFO Festival last year. And good old Snaily is going to be at the Oregon Ghost Conference. I will be giving a speech on uh, March 24th at 6 p.m. If you guys want to meet me and listen to me, which you already do, you already kind of do both right by listening to the podcast, but March 24th, 6 p.m. at Seaside, Oregon, the Oregon Ghost Conference, I'm giving a presentation, Why Are There No Fat Ghosts? So hopefully I'll learn how to pronounce the word ghost correctly before then. And it'll be a lot of fun. You guys should come out. There's a bunch of other speakers, vendors, and all of that stuff. But I can't wait to do it. Snail Eyes will be in attendance. So no no salt. No salt allowed. Snail Eyes, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the hair hydrofoil. If you ask me what hydrofoil looks like, I'll point to a picture of a... 1980s G.I. Joe toy. I'm not entirely for sure, but we're in a hydrofoil now. Snail Eyes, let's go ahead and leave Dead Rabbit Command and foil us all the way out to Florida. I don't even know what they sound like. Is this new vehicle? I know we have the hair hovercraft. The hair hydrofoil, I guess, is new. We're going all the way out to Florida. The Joes are quick on our heels trying to destroy us. But we get out to Florida. Specifically, we're headed to Placida, Florida. And we're off the coast. We're we're not in the town of Placida. We're actually in the Gulf of Mexico. The year is 1970. And it's late. It's late evening. And in the Gulf of Mexico, you had two fishermen fishing from their boat throwing their rods, you know that noise that fishing poles make? Little hook floating in the water. Fish fish are looking at it. You like that theater of the mind? You're like, wow, Jason, I felt like I was right there. And I know what hydrofoil looks like. And you don't. They don't make that noise. Anyways, fish 
looking at bait, looking at worms stuck on hooks and stuff like that. That's not the weirdest part of the story. That's normal. That's what we just call fishing. These two fishermen are on this boat, and all of a sudden, they see Bigfoot. They're <laughs> like, well, okay, this is weird, right? They're off the coast of Florida. Florida, had, they call it the skunk ape down there because it's super smelly because it's living in swamps. Bigfoots in general are fairly smelly creatures. A lot of times you smell them before you see them or even hear them. They smell like rotting flesh or dried dung. That's just Bigfoot. So you can imagine if there's a variation called a skunk ape. Smells worse than just the normal old Bigfoot. But whether or not we're Bigfoot hunting or skunk ape hunting, you don't expect it to be in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. It's not on its own boat. It's not stuck on a rock going, help me. No. (laughs) Which would be quite the quandary, right? Would you help? Bigfoot, if you were in a fishing boat and you came across them sitting on a rock, I think the hum- the humanity in us would say, of course I would help Bigfoot get off that rock and onto my boat. But again, is this an eight-foot-tall hairy monster? I don't want an eight-foot-tall human on my boat. I hate boats. I hate boats. I'm always afraid they're going to tip over. So I wouldn't, if I saw like, if I saw an NBA player on a rock in the middle of nowhere, I'm like, sorry, bro. I'm already scared enough I'm on this boat. He's like, I haven't eaten in days. So I was like, I don't know, catch some more clams. Here's a fishing pole. I'll radio in for help. But he's not on a rock. They're in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. And these two fishermen see Bigfoot swimming. He's just swimming in the Gulf of Mexico. And obviously, these two guys are braver than I am. They're in a boat, for one. When they see Bigfoot swim by them, they look at each other and they're like, we got to follow this guy. Now, he's not swimming towards the coastline either. He's swimming away. These witnesses said that they followed Bigfoot for 29 miles. (laughs) For 29 miles, and they're like, okay, that's... That's enough. We, for the once in a lifetime, saw this cryptid that people have been searching for for over 100 years. But we give up. He's just been swimming for too long. They're like, ah, we better return home. They actually don't say in the report if he kept swimming and then they just pulled away or if he drowned. I don't know. He might have. They don't say. They, they just say they followed him for 29 miles and then they stopped. Did they lose sight of him? Who knows? Who knows? These two guys do, but they didn't tell us. And what's interesting is, as they're watching Bigfoot swim away from the coastline, he's 29 miles away when they finally just lost sight of him or just gave up. One of the fishermen turned to his buddy and said, yeah, this isn't the first time I've seen this. And buddy's like, wait, what? Like, this, this is old hat to you? Following a swimming Bigfoot, and the the other dude goes, yeah, one time I saw a Bigfoot swimming underwater. So what is with this? What is going on? Why is Bigfoot swimming through the Gulf of Mexico? You'd go, Jason, this obviously, obviously, maybe it's not, maybe it's not actual Bigfoot. This can't, this doesn't fit anything in with Bigfoot lore that we know of. Bigfoot is the giant guy in the woods walking around, 
using squirrels as toothbrushes and porcupines as toothpicks. And just walking around. <laughs> Those are the only two things he does. That's why we've never found him, because we're like, ew, that's gross. We're not going to do that. He walks around the woods. He sometimes throws rocks at people. Stuff like that. Why would he be swimming? Actually, I wonder, because I know gorillas can't swim. I learned that fact watching Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. I actually fact-checked that. I was like, wow, that's true. <laughs> gorillas can't swim. They couldn't get to Marky Mark's spaceship that crashed in a lake. I was like, wow, that's fascinating. Thanks, Tim. But I wonder if Bigfoot can. I wonder if having big feet would help you swim. It would probably be a trade-off. You know, the 30 pounds of <laughs> 30 pounds of back hair probably make it difficult to swim well. But with the big feet, like Michael Phelps, he has some big old feet, right? Looks like a dolphin evolved and then put on a Speedo and started swimming around. I mean, he's not, he's not a freak. You're like, oh, really? That's what it looks like? You're looking at pictures. You're all disappointed. You're like, oh, man, yeah, he does have big feet, but his skin's not great. He doesn't have a blowhole. It's a bit of an exaggeration there, Jason. Bigfoot might be a powerful swimmer. And it would make sense. This could be one of the reasons why we can't find Bigfoot, because we're looking in the wrong places. You're looking in the forest. If you're in Florida, you're looking in the swamp. And we never, we never thought to check the lakes. We never thought to check that he might be taking a dip. But if you think that story is weird, there's another story of maybe this is why we can't find Bigfoot. I do have to say, too, let me give credit. I found that story of the swimming Bigfoot on thinkaboutitdocs.com. They got it from a website or a book magazine. I don't know what this is, but it's called Slicksters. If you can't trust the source that has Slickster in it, who can you trust? Slickster's skunk ape sightings. So this would be like a local Florida repository of uh, Bigfoot slash skunk ape stuff. If you think that's weird, there is another even weirder one of a Bigfoot sighting. This is one that's kind of gone a little viral, and we don't have any information on it. It's a image... It's an, it's an undated, unsourced image. There was someone with going by the initials of AR. They said at one point they were in an undisclosed location. I know this is super vague and it's so bizarre. You're like, Jason, someone just made this up. But someone was in a place and they looked up. They looked up into the sky and 75 yards off the ground, they, they, see, they see Bigfoot. Not because he's that tall. They're like, wow, inflation's got really bad. Bigfoot needs to be 75 yards tall just to get our attention. No, Bigfoot is sitting on three red balloons. <laughs> You're like, Jason, come on, man. It's clearly made up. Hold on. <laughs> let, me get, let me finish before you decide that this is made up. Bigfoot is sitting on three red balloons. So they're giant balloons floating there, and they are described as either glowing red or a metallic candy apple red. But he's sitting on these three balloons. <laughs> I just looked over at my notes again. The person who saw this goes, okay, maybe it wasn't Bigfoot. Probably should have checked my notes closer. He goes, well, it was a tall, hairy man. 
it looked like Bigfoot. It looked like Bigfoot. It's possible he was just wearing a, a suit, a hairy suit, or had on a hairy cape, which would be hilarious. Someone's like, hey, let's uh, fake one of those Bigfoot sightings that everyone's talking about. We'll do that. We'll go in the woods, put footprints, fake footprints, walk across the freeway in a furry suit. And his buddy goes, that sounds like a great idea, but what if we did it on balloons? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I got a Bigfoot suit. It's super authentic. If you see it, you'll think it's actually Bigfoot. But instead of, I don't know, walking through the forest, we'll just fly, we'll just fly around in the suit. It'll be the best fake Bigfoot sighting ever. So if this is fake, they're doing it wrong. But anyways, Bigfoot or a man in a Bigfoot costume is floating through the sky. He's sitting on these red balloons. And... The balloons, you know, traditionally have strings hanging down. So this guy's watching these balloons float by. Bigfoot is not hanging from them like he's flown away, like he was a clown who put too much helium in his balloons. He's sitting on top of them. (laughs) And then the rope of the balloons are hanging down, and the rope is tied to the... The rope, so Bigfoot's floating on the balloons. The rope, the string from the balloons are tied to the corpse of a dog. There's a dead dog floating through the sky, held aloft by balloons. Bigfoot's sitting on top of him. It's one of the weirdest Bigfoot sightings I think we I've ever heard of. We've covered Bigfoot's getting in and out of ufos i almost feel like i've covered this one before as well it's hard to tell if i've covered this one because we've covered some crazy ones i wasn't able to find any proof of it but if i did then this is one of the few times i don't mind covering it again because it's so weird and if i didn't it's just absolutely bizarre and ar what's interesting is he The witness, like, again, there's this kind of viral meme, this image that's going around, and it says, listen, I was uh, driving, and I saw this guy floating by, Bigfoot, dead dog, red balloons, and it started, I was headed towards Smith Road. It specifies the road they're on, so I think there's a longer account somewhere that I could not find, unless I already covered it, (laughs) unless I already covered this story, but... He's driving down a very particular street, and he saw this guy floating, this Bigfoot. I don't know why I keep saying it's a guy. It's actually a cryptid floating around on these balloons with a dead dog. It was a black and white Sheltie. (laughs) That's what happened to my dog. I used to have a black and white Sheltie. He came out one day, and he wasn't there. There was just like a balloon string on my yard. I was like, what? Jack, Jack, where are you? You should have just looked up (laughs) if your dog ever goes missing. You look up at the sky. People are like, hey, dude, uh, aren't you going to put up some missing dog flyers? You're like, nah, he'll, he'll float by eventually. This guy's following him in his car, AR. He's following Bigfoot uh, on the balloons in his car. And once Bigfoot realizes he's, be- <laughs> he's being followed, apparently he changed the directions of the balloons. The, Bigfoot's- the Bigfoot tries to lose the witness, so he actually flies back the way he came, and the driver wasn't able to make a U-turn quick enough. I don't know how fast these balloons were flying around. Um, but you would have to say that any speed is too fast for Bigfoot to fly at. Now, like I said, we've covered stories where Bigfoot has gotten out of UFOs 
and Bigfoot. I've covered stories of people turning into Bigfoots. Like there's a lot of weirdness involved in the phenomenon that doesn't that that gets left out honestly because we're so there's the two camps is Bigfoot. Most people believe if you believe in Bigfoot that it's a biological creature out there that we can eventually capture and steady and maybe communicate with and other people a small group of people believe it's an interdimensional thing that's what i believe i don't believe i believe that it can obviously it's a biological form you could shoot it you could kill it but i don't think it evolved alongside humans i don't think it's a i think it's more of a i think it's more there's something more paranormal to the phenomenon that it's not just like oh we just haven't found this guy in, in we we could we could document its breeding habits and all this. Some perverts out there in the woods with his logbook. He's like, oh, he was particularly randy tonight. I don't, I don't, I don't think that. I, I don't think that. I don't think that it's a biological entity. But I do believe that there's something to it. But anyways, maybe that's one of the reasons why we can never find it. That's the interdimensional belief. Because it's able to slip in and out of realities. But even, I'll put all those episodes in the show notes. We've covered all sorts of crazy, cool stuff about Bigfoot. But again, I would have never thought to look up, right? You hear tromping through the woods and you smell that rotten egg smell and you're like, oh, I think, I think either Bigfoot, either Bigfoot's here or somebody ate at Taco Bell right before this camping trip started. And then you hear a roar, and then like a rock comes flying at you uh, and you're like it's bigfoot everybody it's bigfoot and then you're looking for him in the forest that's where you would look for him you're having all these telltale signs he's floating above you i'll tell you this there's there's not a bigfoot researcher worth their salt who the bigfoot researchers that you see on like animal planets the fact that they're on animal planet but they wouldn't. Uh, they would not acknowledge this to even be possible. Maybe the swimming story, but if you're like, "Hey, I, you go out squatching lately," you're talking to one of the hosts of the show. You broke into his house. You haven't tied him to a chair. You're like, "Hey, did you go squatching lately?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah. Let me and my family go. <laughs> I'll answer whatever questions you want, you weirdo." And then you go, "Did you ever look up? Did you ever look up?" And he's like, "What are you talking about? Please." <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm so scared, man. Sure, I'll look up. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? I don't know why this turned into a home invasion. I don't know why. I just didn't say you're asking him something at a convention. I don't know why it became you breaking into his mansion and tying up his family. But anyways, um, I don't. I think they'd be like, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Bigfoot does not float on balloons with a dead dog, unless you've kidnapped my family. And if that's what you want to hear, if that's what will get you to leave my family alone, sir, Bigfoot's on balloons. Bigfoot's on it. How many balloons do you want him to be on? He's on that many balloons. Please, please let us go. Fascinating. Bigfoot escape stories, swimming away, floating away. Who knows what other things he can do. Maybe he, maybe he's really good at digging tunnels. Have you ever looked underground? Have you ever looked underground, Mister Bigfoot researcher? Fascinating stuff, and I'll put all those other Bigfoot episodes in the show notes because what a blast we've had researching that furry man, Snail Eyes. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are le- we're leaving behind this Animal Planet host house. We've let all of his family members go because he answered the questions correctly. Take us all the way out to Texas. (laughs) 
We're headed back to the year 1914. There's like a guy playing a banjo outside of a store. We're walking in. We're here to get some supplies, some cornmeal, some grubs. We're going to have a picnic. We're going to have a picnic. That's all we're going to eat. Cornmeal and grubs and maybe a head of lettuce. And we're walking out and we're like, man, it sure is cool living in 1914. We're in Farmersville, Texas, and we're watching the sun rise over this beautiful landscape. We're like, <laughs> taking a bite of a handful of grubs. This sure is country living. And we're about to meet three country boys. That's how they describe themselves. About two and a half miles outside of Farmersville. It's about two and a half miles west of Farmersville. It's 10 in the morning. There's a trio of children... They are headed out to this field to chop cotton. I had to look that up. I didn't know what that was. It's where you thin it out. It's the first process when cotton's growing. You kind of get rid of like all of like the gunk. <laughs> like, who, who threw all these grubs? Oh, no. Who buried our crops in cornmeal? What type of ecological terrorist was there? You go and you cut down like all the weeds and the, the, the weaker cotton plants, the ones that aren't going to produce. Because back then, like, your chores were part of your economic life, right? Nowadays, it's like, make your kids wash the dishes. Back then, if your kids didn't do their chores, your family didn't make money. So they get these three kids to go out there. We're going to meet Silby, Silby J. Latham. And that's the main person who's telling the story. Silby J. Latham. And he goes, I was about between 13 or 14 years old. That's where he's placing this. And then he had his two older brothers, Sid and Clyde. And they're walking around with their hoes. They're going to go out. They're going to chop down this cotton. And they bring with them their two loyal dogs, Bob and Fox. (laughs) The dogs are barking as the boys are walking two and a half miles out to... Do their chores. And he said, we're sitting there, we're chopping this cotton, probably whistling. And the dogs are just kind of wandering around. The dogs are no use in the cotton chopping thing. They just brought them out there to keep company, probably wrestle the dogs on their break. They let their dogs wander around otherwise. And all of a sudden, they hear... It's an interesting term. Silby said that he heard a deathly howl. Erupt from the distance. And it's funny because these are country boys. It's the year 1914. Imagine in your reality, you're sitting in your house and all of a sudden your dog emits a noise that you've never heard, you've never heard him make before. And you can only describe as a deathly howl. You're going to pause the Netflix movie and get up and be like, you okay, Ralph? Ralph, what's going on out there? These kids just are kind of like, what? What's that? Dogs are making some weird noise. So they just saunter on over. They don't even see the dogs at this point. They're just kind of walking on over. And honestly, Silby and Sid are taking their sweet time. They're walking super slow because whatever. It's the country. We hear weird noises out here. Clyde gets to the dogs first. And so Silby's walking and he sees his brother Clyde kind of stopped and he's looking at something. 
And this is a good, like, they've now walked about 75 yards. It's the same distance of a Bigfoot balloon. They've walked 75 yards from where they were chopping the cotton. There's this fence row there, which is a fence that divides two uncultivated plots of land. I had to look that up, too. There's a fence row. They're in the middle of nowhere, but they're still separating their land over who owns what. They get to this fence row. Well, they don't, actually. Sylvie and Sid are taking their sweet time. Clyde is at the fence row now with these two dogs. And they hear Clyde yell out, Boys! There's something in there! It must be something kind of bad! (laughs) Sylvie and Sid are just still strolling over there. Their brother's freaking out because he realizes that these dogs are losing their mind. These dogs are barking so loud at something, and Clyde can't figure it out. His two brothers are just kind of wandering closer and closer, and that's when they hear Clyde go, It's a little man! So that's, that's going to make you walk a little bit faster, right? You hear the sound of dogs barking. Your brother begins shouting about a little man nearby. And Sylvie and Clyde finally get there, and Sylvie goes, I walk up. And I see Bob and Fox, and they're they're just losing it. They're barking and doing that little thing where they're like jumping from side to side, but not in an excited way, almost like in a way of trying to intimidate something. They're kind of like digging their hands in the dirt and doing all that weird stuff that dogs do when they're ready to go. And all I see, I mean, I see the two dogs, I see my brothers, but standing against the fence row is a little man. He goes, the guy was about 18 inches tall. And he he was either all green or... He was wearing a skin-tight green suit. He goes, I, I couldn't really tell. He goes, it was either the type of suits that like a frogman would wear, like a diver. He goes, this 18-inch this man was either all a little green man, like you hear about. Well, they, see, it's funny. In 1914, they the idea of a Martian was still so new. You read about it in the newspapers. We had had newspaper hoax about Martians and stuff like that. But these boys are country. They're not they're not getting Jules Verne's novels shipped to them. They're also not idiots. They can all obviously tell that this isn't normal. There's an 18-inch man here who's green or wearing a green skin-tight suit. Sylvie goes, he also had a wide-brimmed hat. This little 18-inch man had a wide-brimmed hat that was also the same color as his skin or suit. And he goes, it wasn't on his head. It was actually like kind of on the back of his head. He goes, it almost looked like he had taken the hat off, but it was part of the suit. It was just sitting there, kind of just there. And he's looking at this little guy. He says he is completely ignoring the dogs and us. He's just looking north. This 18-inch man is kind of just staring off. 
even though he's towered over by all of these things, right? Even the dogs are, you know, three, four times this guy's height. Now, you would think that if your dogs were barking at emotionless, for the most part, they don't really say that he's like completely frozen in time, but he's definitely not acknowledging anything that's going on. If your dogs are barking at a motionless 18-inch man, you would go, maybe that's not real. Maybe that's like a toy or a doll. Because it's not moving. It's not reacting to the fact, like, I would be terrified if two dogs two dogs ran up on me. And <laughs> I'm bigger than them. But he's just looking north. He's not acknowledging any of this going on. And you... You could obviously start to think, like, maybe we should, like, pick him up. Maybe we should figure out what this is. But here's the thing, and this is why we don't have a ton of details over whether or not this was a suit, or whether or not this was a skin, whether or not the hat was always affixed to the back, or that's how this little guy wore a hat. We don't have any of that information, because Silby... Everything that he saw, everything when he walked up, he had to take in all of that detail in about five seconds. Maybe ten. Because according to Silby, he goes, once me and Sid walked up and I looked down and I saw that guy, once all three of us boys were there, Bob and Fox ripped that thing to pieces. They were worked up into such a frenzy that the second the two other boys got there and Silby just had a moment to really take in what he was looking at, these dogs shredded it. They took it into their jaws and were ripping him limb from limb, tearing the head from the torso, everything. They annihilated this little guy. And what's interesting is that you would think it's just a toy it was a little statue, whatever it was, except for Silby's description of what happened. And he said, this was his quote, blood and guts went everywhere. The blood was red and the guts looked like guts look. And that's super interesting because again, if it was a toy, you'd be like, ah, oh, they tore it apart, there's a bunch of stuffing. But this was a biological entity. It sounds like such an, a simple statement to make, being like, yeah, they ate it and like real bloodshot out of it. And it had it had intestines and a little heart and things like that. But that's that does set it apart. Whatever this thing was, it was a totally ignoring them. It was a living, breathing thing. Blood and guts went everywhere. The blood was red, and the guts looked like guts look. He didn't, this is so funny, he continues his quote, and he goes, quote, We were all just country as hell, and didn't know what to do. The dogs just chewed him to pieces after they killed him, and we just went back to hoeing. That's fascinating, and that's honest, right? You have these kids in the middle of Texas in 1914. They've probably heard about, you know, fantastical creatures and fairy tales or nursery rhymes and things like that. 
But it's the middle of the morning. You have a job to do. You just saw the dogs just shred this guy to pieces, this tiny guy, and they're like, okay, like, what do we do now? I mean, the dogs are eating it. The dogs are eating the remains of this thing. Let's just go back. This is one of those stories, like a story we covered yesterday, the Dade City Flowers, where the person knows that something odd is happening, something not normal just occurred. But it's a different time. They just go back to doing their job. They go back to chopping cotton. But again, they knew there was something weird about this. But not so much that they're like, let's analyze the pieces. What is this a piece of a skin or a suit? Let me taste it. Mm, that's synthetic. That's synthetic plastic. The dogs pretty much ate everything that they could. And the boys went back to hoeing. Now, again, though, after they were done with their chores, because that was their job, they that was not just them out there for fun. When they went back home, they go, hey, Ma, Pa, guess what? You'll never believe what happened. The dogs ate a little man. The dogs ate a little 18-inch man. And the parents didn't believe him. The parents were like, what are you guys talking about? Did you guys finish shopping the cotton? Yeah, we did, but the dogs ate so Okay, well, wash your hands and get ready for supper. Sylvie said that day we went back out there a couple times. We went back to that fence row. And we just looked around. But after that day, we never went back to the fence row. We never investigated it further. We never investigated it further. It's a fascinating story on so many levels. On the one level, you have uh, who this you know Sylvie Sylvie J Latham has this story, and it's something weird that happens to him. And I can almost guarantee he remembered it. He always thought it was weird, but that happens in 1914. When he's older, I mean, think about it. By the time he was 13 when that happened, by the time of the UFO flap, right? 1950s was when it really kicked off, 1947 to be specific. But, you know, 1950s, 1960s, at that point, he would still be like, what? I, I know I'm bad at math, but in his 60s himself, right? Wait, no, that doesn't make sense. If he was 13 in 1914... And then, whatever. The point is, is that he would be an adult and you'd be hearing about little green men. You'd be hearing about these invaders from Mars. You'd be catching stuff at the local movie theater and he'd be like, oh, that's what that was. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm just country as hell. I just thought that was something that happens sometimes that a little man will show up occasionally and, and get torn to pieces by dogs, devoured. These dogs ate him. They ripped him to pieces and spread his blood and guts everywhere and then enjoyed the meal that they had just created for themselves. And Sylvie, it would take Sylvie time to put that into context and be like, oh, that's what that is. That's what they, they ate was an alien. A little green man. Now, we don't use the term little green man anymore. It's used as a pejorative nowadays to kind of dismiss people. But there are accounts of, they're not super common or not as common as you know, the FBI and the CIA tried to make out when they would disparage these people through the media, right? Oh, you believe in little green men, their anal probes, all that stuff. All of that stuff was um, not necessarily misinformation because some of it happened, but malinformation. It was put out by 
intelligence agencies to dismiss UFO sightings. I mean, like that's that's not even a conspiracy theory at this point. We know that's true. They use the media to mock people who saw this stuff, and uh, so people would stop reporting it. But then you have people who saw something like before you even knew of the term flying saucer. Before, I mean, back then, the term alien meant someone from another country. So you have that, but it's so... Like, what was this thing? The idea that he was looking off into the distance and he wasn't acknowledging what was going on, there's two ways to read that. Well, there's three ways. One of them is that it was a doll or a toy. Someone had made it as a joke. It's kind of a a super specific joke. They placed this little doll out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe some boys will bring some dogs along. It's possible that... When I read this, because I read this a couple times to get ready for this, it's possible that what the creature what what this alien was doing was not it wasn't aware of what was going on if it was coming this is going to sound you know probably a little esoteric a little hippy dippy but imagine it is moving from one dimension into ours and the process isn't complete and he's still trying to figure you know like i don't know <laughs> it just sounds like i'm making stuff up but I was thinking that, like, what if he's crossing a barrier and normally he'd be able to blink out or run away or something like that, but in this case, he's frozen because this process is still going on. That's possible. What I actually think is happening, which is far more depressing than that scenario, is I think this little guy realized that he was done. He knew he wasn't getting out of this situation. And like a man at the gallows, with his eyes fixed on the beautiful blue horizon, he's looking, he's taking in one last look before he dies. Like, he doesn't want to face the threat. He knows it's an inevitable death. There's nothing he can do at this point. He's just looking at the one peaceful thing he can see, because he has these giant humans towering over him, these vicious dogs, right, all up on him, just barking and ready to devour him, and he just was looking at nature. He's just ignoring that, and he realizes, I'm not getting out of this, but I'm not going to... I don't want my last sight to be drool dripping off of an insane dog's jowls. I'm just going to look... I'm going to look north, and I'm going to think of better times and happier times and my few remaining moments of life. I think that's what it was. I think he was resigned to death. It's a fascinating story. This is Close Encounters of the Canine Kind Week. On Monday's episode, we covered two dogs. It's actually interesting. It's such a similar setup to the Monday's episode. Two dogs who encounter a UFO and the effect that that had on them. Today, we covered two dogs taking down an 18-inch man. It wasn't a fair fight. It totally wasn't a fair fight, right? This guy was ill-equipped for country Texas life. But on Friday, we're going to cover one more case of Close Encounters of the Canine Kind. When a man and his dog go hiking high up in the mountains, the final showdown between man's best friend and humankind's worst enemy will begin. But that's in a future episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. 
Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.